Hello and welcome to this episode of The Coaching Podcast from British Canoeing Awarding Body. Hi everyone, my name is Lee Pooley, I'm the Director of Coaching and Qualifications at British Canoeing and this is the British Canoeing Awarding Body Coaching Podcast. Now this is the last in the series of looking inside the buoyancy aid and what you carry in your boat or on your board. And with that in mind, talking about on board, I am delighted to have Tom Westerway with me today. Hi, Tom. Hi, Lee. So, Tom, just for listeners, um, just to make sure that everyone knows in the last in the series, we're going to look at stand-up paddleboarding. So um, can you give the listeners a bit of a, a background to you as a, as a paddler, coach, leader? Yeah. So um, my main sort of focus is in white water. I started off whitewater paddling as a, uh, a kayaker predominantly and then um, uh, I've always been an instructor you know canoeing kayaking all that type of stuff but always was a personal uh, whitewater kayaker someone put me on a board and haven't really stepped off yet and uh, I've actually started up my own whitewater sup coaching business based in the southwest it kind of ranges from taking people who are new to whitewater entirely people who have existing whitewater knowledge or paddleboard knowledge or people who are current whitewater paddleboarders and uh, taking them further on their journey. Yeah, picking up momentum with it. And it's been really good to watch the community grow and see everyone uh, really take it to the next level, which is very much happening in the UK. And uh, yeah, the sport's definitely growing and it's really cool to be a part of that. Yeah, abs- absolutely, Tom. And uh, delighted to have you here talking about, you know, stand-up paddleboarding today, specifically around white water, which obviously is the focus that we're going to be chatting through today. And, you know, one of your local rivers is the River Dart, isn't it? Yeah, local rivers, the River Dart. I was on it today and it's it's obviously just such an amazing venue. It's got different sections for everybody and uh, it's it's not always reliable, but when it does deliver, it, it very much delivers. Absolutely. Yeah, probably one of the favourites in the country, actually. So, uh, yeah, it's very, very nice to be located down there and one of my favourites. So, Tom, let's dig into the first part of this podcast is to think about what do you carry in your buoyancy and, and why? Okay, yeah, cool. So the main tool, probably the most important one, actually, and the one uh, I probably use the most of the time is my phone phone's in a waterproof case the phone is obviously it's your biggest tool if if stuff goes wrong that that really gets the ball rolling for when things go wrong but when things aren't going wrong it's like a really incredible tool for me to give some sort of video analysis for people that I'm coaching videos don't lie do they <laughs> um yeah that that's like a, a sort of really really good kit that I carry just thinking if I open it up I've got my phone right in front of me I do tend I've recently started tethering my phone to my buoyancy aid now. I've always been a bit umming and ahhing about that. My friends have always done it. I've always been a bit like, oh, it, it sort of got in the way, but I've very nearly dropped it onto my board quite a few times, so I've made that decision. It's not got in the way yet. Next to my phone is my knife. It's nice and easy to reach. I can reach that with one hand, which is quite good. Next to my f- knife is actually just a small little Allen key wrapped up in duct tape. It doesn't fit everything, but what it does fit is the fin boxes on the bottom of your board. And, you know, it's super useful if you start getting to shallow sections or the river's dropping off or you just decide you want to go finless, you don't have to break in to your uh, board bag. You can just whip your board over, take these fins out, pop them in your buoyancy aid or whatever. So that's really sort of uh, smoothed out my paddling, which is a a nice little one. 
Uh, I'll always have a swim tape with me. Yeah, swim tape, sling, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's like a classic five meters, eyes on either side. Tend to carry somewhere around four to five carabiners. Carabiners are just so, so useful, aren't they? You know, how often do I actually use them in my day-to-day coaching? Like, I, it, it doesn't happen. But when, uh, when you need them, it's so, so good to have them. I'll also carry two Prussics because again, they're even rarer, aren't they? But when you need them, they can be very, very handy. And one thing that does sort of uh, sit in my buoyancy aid most of the time, it do, it can find its way out, but it's, it's quite good to have it in there. It's just a pulley. I, remember, I never used to have one. And me and my friends, we were, what, what were we trying to move? We were trying to pull something out of the river and we just uh, didn't have one. And someone else came along, threw one in the system. And I went, oh, right. We're having a pulley. I'm I'm getting a pulley. <laughs> so that was like a uh, a bit of a light bulb moment for me. Something else that is actually it's always been in my buoyancy aid, and uh, you know as time has gone on, I'm finding it's probably going to find its way into my board bag. Is actually my leash is uh, like an elasticated one. It's not like a coiled one. It's elasticated and it packs down really well. And it just used to sit in the bottom of my BA, and I used to whip it on and off when I was coaching, but I've kind of just found ways around that, especially with sort of current guidance coming out. I just find other ways around it. And, you know, if I'm getting my leash out, it's for a very specific reason now. I mean, I think it was actually today. We were just going through what I've got on my point side with some clients. And I, I think I ended up saying to him, right, this is now going in my, in my board bag. So I've covered phone, knife, key, swing, carabiners. Yeah, that is, that's pretty much it, I think. That's actually in my buoyancy aid. Okay. I'll, I'll have a whistle on the uh, side of my buoyancy aid. That is, um, again, you never use it, but wow. I think uh, having a whistle where you can just lean your head and then blow into it, that's quite a good thing. The amount of times I've been like holding onto a tree or a board and my paddle, and I've just dipped my head down and blown into a whistle because I'm trying to communicate to someone at river. I thought, oh, can you imagine if I... <laughs> and in the third arm to blow this whistle that would have been very unideal something else that is very useful as well is actually just another just a watch just on the side of your uh on one of the straps that's quite good just again the days are getting shorter <laughs> good yes. to keep an eye on the time yeah absolutely so quite a lot of your kit you know talking about carabiners prosucks and obviously uh, and, and a pulley so that's that's what we would determine as almost like a, a pin kit isn't it so if your your sup gets uh pinned it's a way of taking is that a normal occurrence is it you know um i would imagine that a stand-up paddleboard is a lot easier to pull off compared to a kayak or a or a canoe but i could be completely wrong no i think you i think what it is is it's different isn't it so i've i've had it happen once that like it was it was a quite a bad pin the thing like to consider is that you know i i got to the board the client was below it she was just sort of sat in the eddy and it was it was hopeless you know it was never going to come off I kind of started that process of thinking, right, where where am I going to actually sort of set this up? But then you do remember that the boards are made of air. And mm. uh, luckily, it was valve end out of the water. You just set the valve off and, mm. you know, it's it's very strange. You set the valve off, makes an almighty noise, and you're just pushing, pushing. You see the board start to wobble, and then it just pinged off this bridge that it was on. Jumped back on the board, stopped the air coming out, and fortunately, we were right at the get-out. But we, we could have paddled that board down really, really easily. And you know, that, that was quite a good right, actually. You know, you, you can like let the air out. If you get it off in time and you get the valve shut again, you're, you're back in business. That was quite cool. 
another thing that sort of, again, this is where I, uh, you, if we really wanted to figure it out, we could probably just commit to getting it done one day. But the D rings on a uh, on a paddleboard, you know, I mean, when you're setting up all these forces, are they strong enough to, you know, if you wrap a uh, wrap a rope around it, carabiner and all that, and you start pulling these three to ones, five to ones, whatever, are the D rings really going to hold? I mean, that's another solution. It could be bind up three or four D rings, bring it into one central point. This is a lot of it's a lot of setup you're talking about here. It's sort of very specialized stuff, isn't it? You know, you you kind of got to have a bit of an understanding about equalizing and all that. Releasing the air pressure, that was like a huge one for me. I do paddleboarding quite a bit. I've had one minor pin and that one was like a major pin. I just can recently come off a course where we've been told uh, it was like a rafting course and they were like, yeah, to move a raft, you need this, 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 and this. I remember loading up in my BA and thinking I'm carrying a lot of stuff here and uh, climbing back on your board in particular and paddleboarders move about a lot especially on their board and in the water. And I remember thinking, do you know what? I'm more likely to coming on and off my board. I think it's far better for me to ditch off maybe some of that, maybe lose two pulleys, maybe get rid of some of the stuff that I won't necessarily need. If it's pinned that badly, just let the air out, you know, find a way. If you can't reach the valve and I don't know, for whatever reason, you can't leave the board there until the river drops, it is made of air and they can be repaired. You know, some people talk about puncturing a board i don't know if i could bring myself to do it but it's it's an option isn't it you know rafters talk about it they're like yeah if it really came to it you could do it but i've never seen a reason as to why you would need to pop a board really but i'm sure it is out there i'm sure people have had to do it <laughs> it does you know it does make you think about you know the amount of kit that you take and being cumbersome isn't it and not being agile and being able to you know paddle well actually could get you into more problems couldn't it so you know paddling well and reading the water tends to keep you out of the problems um, but if you load yourself up getting in and, and not being as agile could obviously cause cause issues so that's in your buoyancy aid uh, and what i'm really intrigued with because i've never i have never white water sunk i know you said that you'd take me out which i'm looking forward to but i'm thinking do you put kit on do you keep it clean what do you do tom so it has been a little bit refined. I think what's actually quite important to talk about before before we break open the bags and what's in there is actually how you attach it to the board. Because yep. that's changed after, and then you could call it an incident if you want. You take most powder borders and they'll just like whap something. Quite a lot of people just like put it under the bungees. Again, yep. that's, that's what you do on flat, isn't it? With all the sort of like turbulent water and stuff, it, it can come out. So the obvious thing is carabiner on your bag onto the bungee because it's, the easiest thing there. I was paddling in the Lake District, I think. It was on the Levin. Went down through this, through this sort of steep bit, hit a feature and the bag hit the water and it got pushed all the way back in between my feet. Wow. It wasn't dangerous at mm. that time. You know, if, I'd, if for whatever reason my foot had gone in, in the stretch bungee, that might have caused some issue. But I just remember looking down and thinking, that's not ideal. So the obvious solution was actually to clip it to a uh, one of the metal D-rings so it doesn't move. So that was a really good moment. There. It was like, actually, let's put it in a way that it doesn't move. And to further that, securing it on the left and right side, because I've had it before. If I know I'm going to be rolling my board quite a bit, if it's really high water, it's really pushy, I've, you know, re I've rolled my board back up, I've got back on, 
and my bag will have just made its way out of the bungees. It'll be hanging off the side of the board. Whereas, you know, if you clip it left and right, that's yeah. really, really good. The problem you have here is you end up losing a lot of carabiners. So if you attach it in the good practice way that I've just mentioned there, that's two beaners you've lost already. And mm. I think I said I carry four. That's four in my BA, so maybe that'll be two more on the bag. But another thing to add on is, so that's how you attach it, and then there's what you're attaching it with. Yep. Something that's very, very sort of crucial, and you know, this is non-negotiable for me when people are coming to me for whitewater paddling. It's using wire gates or sort of, you know, snap gate carabiners. You can imagine it, you're crawling back onto your board and it's not always ideal, is it? You don't know where you're going to be. You'll be dragging yourself back on and it has happened. I haven't seen it happen, but some very respectable people who live up in North Wales have seen this happen. Crawl back on and the snap gate will clip your buoyancy aid. Mm. And suddenly, you know, you are, you are stuck to this board. And if you're in a flat bit, you could probably deal with it if you're going down a rapid. I mean, you are properly helpless at that point. Mm. So uh, it needs to be a screw gate. It needs to be done up so that you, that can't happen. Does it need to be a rated one? I, I don't think so. Not really. I mean, you just, you're just securing your board to your, your bag to your board. It doesn't need to be like super strong, really. Uh, put that stuff in your point said. So that's how I would attach things to my board. What I'm actually attaching to the board, I carry like two bags with me. I've got like my, for me, it's my orange bag and my black bag. In yeah. my orange bag, I'm breaking that out if it's either lunchtime, so it's got food in it, or something's gone wrong. So mm -hmm. in that is stuff just like uh, my first aid kit, group shelter, a local map of the area. That's quite a key one, actually. Everyone goes, oh, I've got it on my phone, but... If you ever had your phone die in the river, it's miserable. <laughs> but if it happens when bad things have happened as well, then suddenly you've snowballed it there, haven't you? A spare layer, that's saved, not me, it saved my client uh, once quite well, actually. Her dry suit ripped wide open. And spare layer, having synthetic insulation, that, that's like a really good thing to have. If you get down where it doesn't really work at all. I put a hat in there as well. I think I mentioned I got food. Food is like a, uh, there's two types of food, isn't there? There's the food you intend to eat for the day. And then uh, there's your backup food for the client that turned up with no food or uh, your mate who's just not feeling it. And for me, it's always been like a bar of saurine because right. it's brilliant, isn't it? Who doesn't like saurine? And it's just, <laughs> e it's just easy to eat, which is really, really cool. And yeah, believe that's about everything in there and then in my other bag that's like my board mending kit so i guess you call the orange bag the people mending or the situation mending kit in the board kit that's got stuff to fix equipment so you can imagine this isn't just a black bag and everything's loose in it it is all sort of individually organized a little bit but mm. i believe in there there'll be a multi-tool uh, in particular, the things that I was after in that are some pliers because on a US fin, the uh, screw that holds it back in, it, they're placed behind, which is like a really good idea. So the rocks hit the fin and they don't hit the screw, hmm. but it, it rarely works. <laughs> they, they always bend. And, uh, you know, if you ever try to undo one, a bent screw with your hand, it's, it's impossible. So having some pliers has definitely helped me out a few times. 
also in there just a, a couple of the screwdriver elements in a multi-tool that's for paddles paddles are all like paddles just go loose you know it is a bit it's a bit annoying you know especially if you coach someone you're like reach over and really pull on that paddle and you see the paddle shrink in size <laughs> so uh that was quite a good good one to have in there a bit of a multi-tool that's fixing paddles for the board it would be i have some pvc material in there i mean when you buy any sup you get a little orange container that's got pvc and glue i do have that in there with me how well would it work i'm not too sure actually because you know that stuff sort of takes a while i'm currently uh have some stuff i bought from the internet called tear aid type b i think it was after speaking to people that fix that paddle boards for a living they were sort of questioning how well that works and i've got some stuff on order some flexi tape it does say, you know, that, that sort of, you know, I think people use it for inflatables, like rafts. So uh, problem is to, to actually test all this, you need to go and pop a board, don't you? And uh, they're not cheap. So, yeah, I, it will be a uh, does it work? Ask me after the uh, situation. Other things that will be in that bag are um, more of those screws, actually, just uh, to be able to hold US fins in. I do carry spare fins, not loads. Like if a whole group turned out about fins, I wouldn't even bother. But you know, one goes, oh, my fin doesn't fit or I've left my fin at home. I could definitely help them out. I carry like two different types of fins. I carry a US river fin and the typical sort of side screw fins that you see on most typical white waters uh, boards. All the other ones, I mean, you can't accommodate for everything, can you? How big would this bag be? And the other two big bits of equipment, these are the two, they're uh, it's sort of down the middle. Most people go, oh yeah, that's good. And a lot, of, some other people go, why do you carry that? So I do actually carry a pump on on white water. Again, that pin that we had to deal with, you know, we, we've already discussed that if you uh, take the air out, you know, the board, you might get it loose, but the board may have to go completely flat before you get it out. Yeah, you could walk out, but if you've got a way, you know, the board, if the board's not damaged and you can just pump it back up on the river, that would be amazing. So that is why I do carry that. And I also do carry a spare paddle. And um, I think the thing that puts a lot of people off about carrying these things is that they are really big. When your average paddle, um, sorry, your average split paddle and your average pump are quite cumbersome. And if you're leading in particular, you know, or even if it's your first time and you've spread the kit out quite efficiently, you are looking at this thing that you can trip over, you could land on, you could hurt yourself. You know, it is quite daunting. I've actually been quite lucky enough to end up with quite a small pump that fits into a bag really well. And I've got, I have a five piece split. So okay. that you, you can imagine how small that packs down. We were paddling in Albania not too long ago, and I won't mention who it was, but someone broke two paddles in one day, one morning, actually. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, he was he was quite lucky. He, he was uh, more than happy to just paddle down using the T-grip and the water. But it did sort of come to what we ended up doing was uh, hand paddling, you know, just through like the uh, longer sections. You just lie down. It is a surfboard, essentially, isn't it? You know, you can lie down, surf a paddle. And then that got us on to another conversation. These I don't have in my gear. Will I add them? Maybe. Depends how expensive they are, to be honest. But it's actually just a neoprene webbed hands. Yeah. They're quite cool, actually. And do you know, it could be a nice alternative to a, to a paddle. You know, if you don't want to carry a paddle, 
they don't snap too often, do they? But when they do, you want something. And if you can just put put these in someone's hand, you go, put these on, it'll keep mm. your hands warm, but also it will work. Mm. Maybe that could be a nice little, uh, yeah, a little backup. But yeah, that's kind of what I have on my board kit and people kit. It's great, you know, yeah, great insight. Um, I remember those webbed gloves years ago when we were um, coaching people to hand roll, and they used to they used to um, practice hand rolling with uh, webbed gloves. And you know, it does make a difference. You know, it increases the resistance, doesn't it? So I'd imagine prone paddling, you'd get up a reasonable amount of speed. I mean, I've not seen a five split, and you know, that must go down to a reasonably small size. Yeah, it's really tricky because if I, I kind of ask, I end up asking myself, if I didn't get hold of this five piece, would I take mm. the pat, the spare on the river with me as much as I do now? Mm. If I'm being completely honest with myself, it probably would be a no. But nice. if you were to ask me, should I still take it? Let's say the five piece went, you know, I think it's a, it's nice to have a backup option. And uh, to be honest, it, it kind of, does depend actually you know i think we we probably end up talking about it in a minute but uh, the situations change don't they yeah yeah absolutely i think um one of the things that i'm really impressed with is your discipline that your emergency food is a soaring i mean i i would be uh, i'd be tempted to eat that during the day so um i always thought that i shouldn't i shouldn't have emergency food that i like <laughs> Yeah, don't get me wrong, it's it's not the original. <laughs> uh, if you're sat waiting for the shuttles, they're the ones of it. This is definitely an emergency. <laughs> it's definitely a winner for me. And it has to be the original. I don't like this messing around with new flavours. So in terms of you know, what you were describing there, Tom, is that you were talking about you know, your own personal preference of actually what you'd carry when you're paddling, which I think is fantastic. But obviously, when you are guiding leading different people or paddling with your friends does that change what you carry yeah uh, i'd be lying if i said it it didn't so yeah it definitely does change if we look at let's do two sides so you got me when i'm working when i'm representing myself my business and what i deem to be good practice in the sport i've got all this gear I'm not a hero. I'm not, I've not got it all on my board. I go, look what I can carry. Can you carry this? It's like any group thing, isn't it? It's like, right, I'll, this is the really important stuff. I'll keep this. Why, you haven't got a lot. Why don't you put your stuff in this bag? And then that goes on your board. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That kind of, that instills the good practice further, doesn't it? If you've got one person, they're carrying like a huge amount of kit. That's just going to really ruin their day, isn't it? So, you know, trying to encourage that look this is all the kit this is our group kit it doesn't matter who owns it this is going to come in useful this will become very useful to us if something goes wrong we all need to share in this in the taking the down of the river you know we all need to bear some responsibility here then you got the other side where i'm going out with my mates so some of those things are non-negotiable like you should have a first aid kit can you you can always get her definitely you can always get her First aid kit is quite good. Phones, they they just always come with you now. Group shelter, they kind of walk hand in hand, in my opinion, with the first aid kit. Because whenever you see, well, in any of my mates' setups, you know, they'll have like a little duffel bag, a little warshed or whatever, and they'll open it up and it'll be the first aid kit and the group shelter just sitting next to each other. And as long as one of them are coming on the river with us, that's the really bad stuff sorted. And 
I don't know, if we're going down the loop, we'll probably be going down with the acceptance that if a board were to burst, we could either walk it out or we're both going to get on a board and have like quite a funky descent. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a paddle were to snap, that would just be something that we get to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll send them down first and watch how they, watch how they go down without a paddle. But, you know, that's kind of where me and my friends are at at the moment with whitewater paddleboard. And it's fun and uh, we, we definitely understand the risks and we understand the consequence of not taking a, a pump, a paddle, all that type of stuff. If it means I walk out, I walk out. If someone fell over and split their face open... <laughs> And you go, right, who's got the first aid kit? And then there isn't one. That isn't acceptable, really, is it? Like, you do need to be able to do that. It's not like, all right, I'll I'll walk back to the car. Yeah, I think it definitely does change. It depends who you're with and what you're doing, definitely. I don't think it can be boiled down to if you're working or if you're playing. I think it needs to be what you are doing, definitely. You know, if, if we're going on a river trip and we snap a paddle, is it 11 miles until the until the uh, the next get out? If so, let's be able to fix this board. If it's your local run and you go, yeah, I, I know it's a 20-minute jog, I'll get to the road, then you, you've made that decision. All of these things just come up with, they're backed, aren't they? They're backed by an understanding. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would imagine as well, Tom, if it's like a park and play, if you just pulled up at Newbridge, Newbridge Car Park on the darts and were just doing work on the wave, you probably would just have a bag or something on the side if if you weren't descending. Yeah, no, that that's exactly right. You know, we we've all done those sessions where you can see the van. You know, where you where you haven't left your base, and they're great, aren't they? Because your equipment doesn't even have to touch the water. You carry it down on your back and put it on the land. Your board gets wet. You get wet. All your kit's still dry. I'll tell you one thing as well that uh, I've definitely found uh, that's definitely sort of helped me i've had a underlying back injury ever since i was about 22 23 and anyone who's like tried to lift a paddleboard on the side of the river they've got like a bit of a decision to make because i'll have all their gear attached to their board and a lot of people just try and uh lean over or try and pick up the board and they all their weight is at the front of the board really far away from them it's really leveraged and you see people just arching their back you know almost like a deadlift but walking sideways down the side of a rapid slipping over yeah it can be a bit of a nightmare obviously what a lot of people do is they'll um take it off and then they'll like sling it around their shoulder one thing that i've started doing and it's definitely helped in some of the like bigger carries is actually i've got i've got my two bags like i said i've got my uh people bag and board bag what i actually do is i have them in a uh, a netting bag uh like rafters use them and what it does is it sort of contains them both and it's got these little ruck strap straps mm-hmm. so i can wear it as a rucksack i'll have my board under my arm you know paddle on the other hand for a bit of support mm-hmm. and uh, that's like a real well for me anyway i know this is all subjective but for me that's like a really good way of moving about on the river there are a couple of things to consider here number one like if you were to fall into the river for whatever reason you would be wearing a rucksack uh, you know, so that is something to bear in mind. I've never fallen into a river whilst walking, but I imagine some people have. And, you know, like it's, it's probably not ideal. Something else to bear in mind is if you are going to adopt a system like that, because, you know, there are like big dry bags that could probably just take everything, you know, and they have rucksack straps as well. The thing you need to bear in mind is that we are you, you want to try and keep that clean line principle. 
And, uh, you know, if you've got these rucksack straps that are like really loosened off, big loops, big for potential trees or anything to go into, uh, you want to be minimizing that as much as possible. You know, mine is really good. I can crank it right up. I put them face down so they're like completely out of the way. But that, that thing is secured so it doesn't move. And uh, the pull cord, that tucks away inside the bag. So it is as clean as it can possibly be. Is it as clean as not having it? No. But for what it affords me, I think it outweighs that issue, to be completely honest. Yeah, just, um, yeah, I wouldn't go investing so much money in it. But yeah, just a system that you can uh, carry aboard effectively with your kit. That definitely helps quite a lot, particularly if you're leading and you're actually you're doing this quite a lot, you know, being able to sort of play the long game, I imagine, (laughs) will uh, definitely help you out. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. It's amazing how much physical demand it does have on you and the impact it has over you on the years, you know, in and out of cold water, carrying, you know, physical exertion. It does have its toll on you over the years. Got a question for you, Tom. It's done at paddleboarding. In its its sense, is there's very little protection from the water, is there? You know, like if you're in a kayak, you can put your kit inside. So do you double bag or do you single bag? Do you, you know, what is the things that you just absolutely there is no no question you don't want to get that wet i mean anything that i don't want to get wet i put in like a really good dry bag so mm-hmm. i always i can never pronounce it properly i don't want to talking down about brands here but you you've got the, like the typical dry bag orbit or you know it's, yeah. it's the like first dry bag you buy and they're good they work really really well but i was always taught put whatever you've got put it in like one of those papery feely dry bags and then put that inside them that's what I do for like my board bag. When I've got my uh, my people bag, you know, that map, the food, the all that sort of stuff, my spare layer, right? <laughs> you don't want that being wet, do you? Uh, that just goes in my watershed. You know, I, I haven't known anyone to uh, have one of them fail on them, really, and neither have I. Mine's never failed me, and I fully trust that thing. Mm-hmm. A lot, of, But you are right, you know they're so exposed aren't they you know water is just rushing into them and uh, a lot of my guys they'll come off the water and they'll be like oh god how how do you keep your stuff dry and i go well i keep it in this they go, oh that that looks good yeah you are gonna have to pay for it <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's it's like a builder's tools isn't it you know it costs money but they work so yeah i think if i um want to keep something dry it goes in my really good dry bag Actually, there was just one, if people are going to listen to this about whitewater paddleboarding, there's something just popped in my head because this has happened to me three times now. And uh, I don't know if like the message is just not out there or people are just buying things uh, without really looking too much into it. If you're getting into whitewater paddleboarding and you're thinking about uh, getting out of a wetsuit and into something a bit more expensive, a bit more high tech, the obvious choice is a dry suit. And, you know, that, that does make sense. You know, they do work. Like, there's no point going into all the brands. They're, they're all out there and go and talk to anyone about what is on offer. But um, a couple of people have been on my sessions a few times and they've rocked up in splits. If, for those of you that maybe don't know splits, splits would be like, you know, dry pants, just sort of dry, dry trousers, then a dry cag on top. And they sort of bind together in the middle in some way. If you're like kayaking or canoeing, you know, I, you can kayak in splits because it's essentially a dry suit until you swim, right? It's sort of the same in canoeing. I have paddleboarded in uh, splits and 
I do find that when you fall off, if you fall off from a height and you get this impact, like you hit the ground, it forces all the air out of your splits and it can come up. And what that does is that allows for the water to run in. So if you are paddling with splits, you do need to be aware that it isn't 100% dry. You know, I actually have started using splits at the moment only because I'm coaching. I'm not spending a lot of time in the water. If someone's going for their British canoeing, whitewater up ppa or something like that and we're doing some rescues there's no way i would be in the water being a dummy being a, being a rescue person in in my splits i would be a hundred percent in my dry suit so if you're looking at trying to make that transition splits are good if you're not going to be in the water whitewater up you spend a lot of time in the water just have that sort of conversation with yourself Tom, you know, you've given us an extremely great insight into the way that you make decisions about how you pack your buoyancy, pack your kit. It's not just about how you put it, how, you know, whereabouts you put it on the on, in the craft, in the bags, but actually how you lash it down as well. You know, really insightful. And I'm really impressed that, you know, uh, about that five, um, five piece split. Before we let you go, Tom, there's always a question. So what's on your bucket list for the next six months? Oh, my bucket list. So last winter, I paddled the uh, upper dart with uh, my friends as kayak support. And you know, I, I was on my paddle board. It was quite low. So we, we took, I think the local boys would call it the chicken lines. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just wanted to get down it. But, you know, I think my paddling's got better. And I, what I want to do is I kind of want to put a load of time into that and start seeing maybe me and my friends being on there with one kayaker as safety. And then as we sort of gain that understanding and we can learn how to look after each other in the more advanced environment, then maybe we don't have a kayaker with us. Maybe it's we're independent now. So on my bucket list, uh, it's, it's very sort of on one on one end, that's kind of tunnel vision because, you know, it is my local I shouldn't pour too much uh, time into that, but I, I can't help it. It's, it's my local, like, and that's where I kind of want to be. Bucket list elsewhere. I mean, you've got the whole world, haven't you? So I recently came back from a trip to Albania, Montenegro, and really think that there's some beautiful places out there, and I'd love to be running some trips. Currently talking with the people out there seeing if we can put something together. I'd love to be running trips out there, uh, getting involved with everyone who is out there. I also um, had the opportunity to be paddling with the European Whitewater Sup paddlers, mainly from Czech Republic, the guys who own Tambo. And in, in my opinion, they are some of the best paddleboarders in the world. And that really, uh, that really opened my eyes as well. So if I can say like bucket list, you know, this would be very intrinsic, but it's, I, I kind of want to be getting to this level where they paddle, where I paddle, how they paddle, you know, how I, pr I approach things, how they approach things. And uh, that's kind of where I want to get myself, really. Brilliant. OK, well, Tom, thanks very much for your time. Much appreciated. I know you're busy and uh, I will take you up on your on your offer very soon about getting me out on the white water in a sup. So thank you very much and take care. Cheers, Lee. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. Remember to review, rate and subscribe. Bye for now.